Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of our podcast. I'm Michael. And I'm Ben. And we are the Armchair Refs. Take a seat and join us. So it has been an absolutely crazy week of sports. There's so much to talk about that we'll hopefully manage to cover a lot of topics in this episode. But before we begin, Ben, how are you? How have you been? Hey, I'm good. I'm good. I've had a I've had a good week. I went out for pizza, so it's always a good week in pizza. So that's just made your week that one night. <laughs> Pretty much. Mate, we got a meter-long pizza between four of us. So Oh my goodness. And wait, so is it like different toppings like spread along the meter or is it one topping the entire time? Nah, so there's four sections all on the same meter. So we had like different stuff on it. I can't remember now, but it was good. <laughs> <laughs> it can't have been that memorable. <laughs> I was going to walk you through it, but I can't remember. It was all really good. We had like some white pizza, some some normal pizza. Um, wait, pizza? Yeah, it's like instead of tomato sauce, you have like, um, sorry, I've accidentally just knocked the dog water bottle over. So yeah, so it's like white base. So it's like a creamy rather than like a tomato base. Like, like you get like creamy pasta. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Well, that's something new. Crazy. But yeah. How was your weekend then, Mike? Yeah, it wasn't too bad, actually. Um, I I went down to Nottingham for, for a church event and we got spoilt. We had a... We stayed in a hotel. It was very fancy. Um, and it was great because it had a TV in the bedroom. So it meant that we could watch the, the World Cup when we weren't busy. And also, you just can't go wrong with a breakfast buffet. You know, it's just oh. it's just what a way to start your mornings. But no, it was, it was a really good weekend. Uh, it did mean that I was, wasn't was able to watch a lot of sport, but I managed to get a, my eye on a, a few of the games for sure. That's fair enough. And are you going to big up your dad or are you just going to absolutely dismiss it? No, no, no. His head's his ego's too big right now. No, nah. <laughs> no, we'll keep we'll keep that we'll keep that to to ourselves. This is strictly business on this podcast. You know, we don't we don't talk about family and none of that nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, gotta have your values first. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right so ben let's let's give the listeners what they what they want and um let's 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 go away from the trend let's talk about non-rugby stuff first where do you want to start mate we've got to start with the grand prix this is the first grand prix without you know a dutch man sat at the top of the podium um hallelujah oh my goodness it's so refreshing to see that no, it's unreal. Especially it's like I've seen people with like the cutouts they stick on their TV where they cross out Max and like renumber all the other positions. No way. Yeah. So it's it's like they pretend the second is first. But, that, but not, that, that's a good week. way to watch it. That is a good way. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's that's a that's a good strong start. I think also there's uh the Davis Cup, which is like almost like a uh I think it's kind of a weird thing to describe. It's basically like a nation's it's almost like a world cup for tennis. But I think that's yeah. kind of like a fair way because obviously I was trying to think about this and I've been asking you this question. So the Davis Cup is where it's obviously tennis is largely individual game and then they collectively come together to represent their nations and the nations go head to head in singles and the doubles format. Can you think of another sport that does that type of format, that competition? I actually can, Mike. I can think of another one. 
the Ryder Cup. Uh, is it, no wait, or the Amer- there's yeah, a yeah, that's right. There's a goal. Yeah, the Ryder Cup where you know you do your doubles. Um, you've got kind of Europe versus America. Mate, they just it's just fun. Yeah, and what what a great way to to bring that up because that's coming in. I think two weeks time that kicks off. So it just seems that everybody has this idea coincidentally all at the same time. Um, but yeah, there's they they just finished their pool stages now in the Davis Cup. So yeah, the knockouts about to happen now. So uh, Great Britain are going to go up against France, but we'll dive into that a little bit more um, later on in the pod. It's also as we speak, the Champions League is kind of kicking off, and uh, you must be feeling pretty rough as a Newcastle fan because your group is like really unfair. I. But to be fair, we're one of the early games, so we're the only result that I actually know. And yeah, yeah, yeah. at the minute, well, no, finished nil nil, so it's not a loss. I'm taking that. Yeah, that is that is a win, even though it's not a loss. It's a draw. It's a win in your books because away from home. Because I mean, AC Milan haven't been great, but really recently. But hey, we didn't lose. That's all I care about. Yeah, I mean, what a sad attitude to have. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, we also had, I think the. The the woes for Manchester United have continued. They lost 3-1 to Brighton, who currently sit fourth in the Premier League. I know there's only been like five or six games played, but it's pretty good going from them. Unreal. Especially as like last season, they were finishing off strong. It's, yeah, it's great to see because they're not the big money spenders. They're kind of excited. I know. And I, I feel like there's always that recurrent theme of there's, there's always that one team in the Prem that, like like you said, isn't that big money club? And then they just they train um and develop their own players really well and then do so great in the Premier League one year and then all their players just get taken by a bigger club. And it's uh, a little bit heartbreaking to see. But that's just that's business, isn't it? Mm, but Brighton have been bucking that trend because they sold like a couple of hundred million pounds worth of players this summer and they've still come good. So Unreal. So yeah, hopefully hype. they can continue it. Um, and then do you want to talk about your Giants, the New York Giants? Yeah, because I actually stayed up to watch this game and I regretted it for the first like hour and a half. <laughs> um, <laughs> we were, we were 20 nil down after losing 40 nil last week. And then out of nowhere, second half comeback, when it 31, 28, what a dream. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Yeah. That just, that just proves it. You, you can't quit on your team. Because they're not going to no. quit on you. So, exactly. And talking of your team quitting on you, uh, how was the Panthers this week? Oh, I don't want to talk about it. Um, the good thing is, so even though we've lost for the second week in a row, um, I haven't watched a game yet because of the time has just not worked out. And so, in my <laughs> eyes, we haven't lost, you know, because I've not witnessed that heartbreak in front of me. So, a it doesn't mean I've wasted four hours, and yeah, it just it, it like it's all good in my eyes. Like yeah, I, the, I might be the good luck charm. The most promising thing about that season is that you've not watched it. Yeah, so far. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's not great. <laughs> oh. um, but yeah, it's also been really spicy in the in the college football stuff as well because um, Dion Sanders. Yeah, yeah, bit of a goat. Prime. We'll just call him Prime. Prime Sanders, yeah, he has now taken up the, the position in uh, Colorado University. And I feel like it's just brought more eyes onto college football. 
but having like an NFL legend in college football has just blown it up massively. But um, yeah, we'll talk a bit bit more about that later on. So Ben, let's talk about some rugby. Yeah, there was many that. games to talk about. So give us a, a roundup. I guess yeah, we start off Thursday night in France. Uh, well, France in France. Oui. Um, they they played Uruguay, and to be honest, they were they were not firing. They um, they made quite a lot of changes, mm-hmm. and I think they probably regretted it because the combinations didn't quite look smooth, and and Uruguay were looking pretty good as well. So big shout out to them for you know giving it a decent crack. So Absolutely. It, was, it was still yeah, still a twenty seven twelve win to France, but it's not. It's not the kind of uh, the expect- expected scoreline, a bit like New Zealand the next day, who yeah. absolutely turned the screw on Namibia, uh, 71-3, which isn't great to watch if you're a fan of anything. <laughs> yeah, it, it was... It was. Re- I think sometimes it's really good to kind of see a team... like Because there were some really good moments in there from New Zealand, just some great individual pieces of skill and great teamwork to, um, you know, to put 71 points on does some doing, but you just got to feel bad for Namibia. It's just like the morale, they've just got to shake that one off and just ignore it and move on to next week. Mm, And they picked up a pretty brutal injury as well. So um, yeah, I hope he's doing Yeah, but actually on that, we've got to give a shout out to the All Blacks camp because even though he went off injured, um, they signed a shirt. All the New Zealand players signed an All Black shirt and gave it to the injured player, um, which I thought was a really good, a really nice touch from them. Yeah, and um, I think Lynette Brown has been and visited him in like hospital and stuff. So oh, yeah, it's, yeah it's, hey, it's good to see. You know what I mean? Like the rugby community coming out. Ah, so good, so good. Mm. And um, so then we, if we go on to the next game, we had. Samoa uh, going up against Chile, um, which ended in a 43-10 victory to Samoa, which some probably think is a little bit more lopsided than they were expecting. Yeah, yeah. And do you know what? I think, again, Chile have, have been quality. And especially kind of Fernandez, their number 10. He, he just looks electric on the ball. Mm-hmm. Uh, Scoreline probably flatters Samoa a little bit, but like mm. they they are well deserved winners. Like they got some, well, some of their big boys came out and and did a job, and the team's looking pretty good. So maybe they could kind of challenge for for that second spot in Pool D. Yeah, <laughs> we'll have to wait and find out, won't we? And talking about the other side of well deserved winners, Wales were lucky to scape scrape by against Portugal, in my opinion. I thought everybody that wasn't Welsh was a Portuguese fan because they they won me over with their performance that are on Saturday. It was incredible. Yeah, mate, I had Danza Kuduro, the Portuguese song blaring out. I was supporting them at half time. I was ready. <laughs> it was so I like I must admit, I didn't know many of the Portuguese names um before the game, but during it I was just googling who these players were because i had to know their name they just oh i'm such big fan of the portuguese and how they played oh mate. and yeah shout out because they're the guy at the end was talking about you know the team and loads of them are are not kind of full-time rugby players so to come out as you know kind of amateur semi-pro and, and to 
put you know put that performance on unbelievable yeah absolutely and just to kind of rub a little bit of salt into the wound portugal did manage to score a try arguably the try of the tournament in my opinion but they managed to score a try against wales a feat you know scoring a try at world cup has yet to be achieved by scotland so <laughs> put that into perspective <laughs> and think about how good portugal are <laughs> <laughs> It's true. It's true. Portugal are better than Scotland. <laughs> I agree. Yeah, I guess talking about talking about that pool, Mike, uh, the Scotland pool, Pool B. It was a big win for Ireland. Yeah, it was. It was huge. I, I won't lie. I was at dinner, so I didn't manage to watch this game. I'll be. I'll be brutally honest. Um, I think I was, I was quite surprised during the week that Ireland did announce their full strength lineup for Tonga, and. I, I didn't want to say this uh, during the France game. France in Pool A, they're not worried about bonus points. You know, they've managed to beat New Zealand, the biggest threat. So no matter what happens, they'll have the head-to-head win over them. Whereas Ireland, Scotland and South Africa, those bonus points matter and it could come down to the wire. So I'm uh, like, even though I was surprised, it makes sense that Ireland went full guns blazing in that and it came it came through in the performance winning 59-16. Yeah, and, and people talk about rotation and obviously it's important to have, you know, your whole squad know that you're playing. But this World Cup, the group stage has actually been extended by a week compared to previous World Cups. Mm-hmm. So where before there might have been that attritional, like you've got a Wednesday night game and then a weekend game. Mm-hmm. They've really tried to minimise that this year. So, you know, you, teams could put their full team out every game and and not feel the crunch as much as previous. But I don't know. I feel like there'll be some boys who who wish they got on the pitch. They might be feeling a bit gutted. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it's it's also tough, you know, in those Irish in the Irish squad because there's going to be those players that when Ireland get out of the group and make it into the you know the quarterfinals and such. You know they aren't going to have the opportunity to play because it's a knockout at that point. So it's going to be the strongest team wins. Yeah, uh, and Ireland typically don't get past the quarterfinals, so yeah. that is their last <laughs> chance to lose. Yeah, a very good point. Um, I was a little bit disappointed by Tonga. I thought having not played in the first week, I thought they were going to be really fresh, come up with some brutal physicality, and I just thought they were going to make it a little bit of a closer game. Um, but I think we just have to give credit to to Ireland in that one. Yeah, I think it does show from Tonga, though, because they've got some really big names in that squad that we've kind of talked about when we were doing our pre-World Cup mini-series. Um, that they haven't had a lot of games together, so, you know, that cohesion and, and knowing where people are going to be, how people play, how important that is rather than just kind of filling a team with superstars and, and being good to go, so... Yeah, which is literally, it's almost like polar opposites between Ireland and Tonga. They just have two different, you know, because the Irish team bid together so long and it's just a massive squad now. But, you know, another big scoreline from the weekend was South Africa versus Romania. And that was a blowout. I think, is this the first game we've seen a, a team not score any points? Let's go with it. Um, I, I don't. I, I can't think of another. So I'm backing you. Probably right. 
Yeah. And more, most importantly, just so just to give people a little bit of context, Ireland beat Romania 82 to 8, which is a points difference of 74. So South Africa beat Romania in a more convincing way than Ireland did in my books. So they got the job done. They got a better points difference. And it's lucky you're not biased, so we can report on this, you know, really. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, very true, very true. Um, I mean, I'll quickly, I think there's not too much to say about this. Romania, it was always going to be a tough draw for them against the, the reigning world champions. It, it was a it was a wet uh, day in uh, Bordeaux. And I think that actually helped Romania because I think if it was a dry day, I think South Africa could have easily put 100 points on the board. Um, but it was good to see Dion Ferry and Marco von Staden, you know, coming into this hooker role. And it was also just really good to see South Africa score so many points. When Pimpy scored a hat-trick, Kobus Reinach scored a hat-trick. Uh, Grant Williams also got a double. I mean, it's just, yeah, an impeccable performance. Mm, I, I just want to say for a neutral, I did not find that exciting. It was like, it's like when you watch the year six bully beating up the uh, the year one kids. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? You, you can't enjoy it. Not that no, you enjoy I, it. I understand. I understand. Yeah. But yeah. It, I will, I will have say. Plan, I imagine. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. And when we, after, after church on Sunday, there was a little group of South Africans. We were all watching it together in the hotel lobby. So it was, nice. it was a good atmosphere when we were watching. And I also just want to say, so, some really cool statistics about that game. So South Africa managed to score four tries in 11 minutes, which is the fastest fastest time to secure a bonus point in Rugby World Cup history. Mad. And as I mentioned earlier, Kobus Reinach scored a hat-trick and he did so in 24 minutes. And he now owns the two fastest times to score a hat-trick in a World Cup because he <sighs> scored one in 2019 against Canada in 21 minutes. Which is just mind blowing. Unreal, unreal. Yeah. But I guess, well, I, I don't have much to say on that. It's pretty good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Let's let's move on. Let's move on. Australia Fiji though, game of the week for me. Yeah, hundred um, percent. I mean, everyone wants to see Fiji do well. They are very lovable. Like off the pitch, you see them playing, and and, and on the pitch, and you can't can't help but be interested and want mm -hmm. to watch um the offloads but also where we kind of spoken about a few times don't want to kind of bang the same drum but they're kind of scrum the decision making kicking for goal all of these things that might have held them back in previous years have mm -hmm. been really good especially in this game so yeah really exciting to see them what they can do and and you know whether they can get out of the groups and, and make a good impression. Uh, absolutely. And there's a massive uh, question mark over Australia and Eddie Jones now because they are at risk of going out in the group stages. And it's it will be catastrophic if that happens. Uh, so obviously they've got a massive game against Wales this weekend coming. And I'm pretty sure... Actually, I'm not, it's not, they won't be out if they don't win, but it'll be, uh, yeah, it'll be pretty yeah, have, yeah, if if Australia lose this one, they need results to go their way. They haven't kind of, it's not in their own hands if they qualify or not, which is exactly. a pretty scary place to be. 
exactly particularly in a world cup yeah you just wouldn't want to do that so yeah that this result of australia losing to fiji just makes the next games in this pool even better so Mm. uh, thank you to australia for doing us all the service yeah although you did mention eddie and i'm going to quickly jam this in why is he only taken one fly half who is 20 years old like (laughs) what what how did he sit there look at his squad and think yeah that'll do that's a genius idea because i don't want to hammer him too hard because the fajians did that pretty much at the weekend yeah lovely um like all of the all the young players are going to have games where you know they're not they're not going to be on it but you know if he against the fajians he was getting targeted and where an experienced player might you know be able to put an arm around his shoulder afterwards, experience 10, say, this happens. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, you can bring on someone who's had this happen to them before. Like, they're just lacking a bit of options. And, yeah, it's, it's kind of worrying for them. You think Quade Cooper, like, sitting at home watching this, do you reckon he's almost feeling happy? As in, like, or do, do you know what I mean? As in, like, I, I'm sure there'll be a part of him gutted to see his country not doing so well and lose to Fiji. But also, you kind of thinking he's feeling a little bit smug, mate. He's in the gym waiting for his call up. He is waiting because the first mm. injury in that camp, he's getting the call. Like, yeah, yeah, I, <sighs> I, I, I see that happening. Yeah, I reckon it'll have to happen, right? It's got to. Mm. They also, it's going to be a bit too late because their most important match is going to be this weekend against Wales. So, like, what happens after? You know, do you still call Quade Cooper up? Well, it depends if they win or not. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I know, I... last but not least, do you want to round us up with England versus Japan? Yeah, so do you know what? I wouldn't say it was the most exciting match, well, the first half. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it was quite a tight deadlock. Both teams were kind of playing, uh, well, Japan were playing a lot of kicking rugby, which is not usual for them. Um and, you know, England were kind of playing that typical kind of grind them down game, which we've kind of adopted for this tournament. Uh, so we kind of come into the sheds and, and I think about 50 minutes, 13, 12, and I was getting a bit nervous. But, mm-hmm. yeah, the boys brought it out at the end, uh, 34-12 win with a bonus point. It was good to see. I beg to differ. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't enjoy it. <laughs> I'm sure you could have predicted my response. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, we we all kind of saw England winning this. I didn't think Japan were ever going to put up much of a fight towards England. It was whether England could click an attack. I think that was like the main question mark. And we did see elements. Um, but yeah, I, I just have this horrid feeling that England are going to do something terrible and go quite far into this World Cup. And it makes me sick. But we'll have to just wait and see. Mate, name's being carved on the trophy as we speak. It's coming up. <laughs> <laughs> I will clip that and we'll bring that up at the end of October. <laughs> All right. And uh, into our armchair analysis, I actually want to go back to where we finished, um, talking of England, because they have been getting a lot of hate online, in the media. Mm-hmm. And I think it's quite undeserved. Tell me why, then. Tell me why. Uh, we did have a Tell bad me side. why. Sorry, Gary. 
<laughs> I, I, if you finish the song, I'll then tell you. <laughs> <laughs> no deal. Carry on. <laughs> I mean, in the summer, we weren't looking good. And I understand at that point, kind of the media getting on them. But before the Argentina game, it was, you're going to lose to Argentina. Will they get out of the group? The hate. Well, yeah, fair enough. Like there were questions. And then we beat Argentina and we beat them pretty dominantly. And then it was, you didn't score a try. There's no attack. Uh, you no know, good. And then we get a bonus point win this weekend. And it's, ah, oh, they were boring. Don't really want to watch. And I think you just need to accept that from where they were to where they are, mm-hmm. look at how much growth there is. And we're likely going to win the rest of our games in the pool. And we're likely to have one of the easier matchups in the quarterfinal. So yeah. if we can keep growing at this kind of pace, things that could look up and we've actually been winning. So I don't get what the media is on the back for. I, I'm taking the dubs. I, I agree. And I think it's very anti-English to kind of be bashing them this hard when the results are going your way. Like, I understand that the performances are not the most... Uh, theatrical or most entertaining to watch but like has English rugby ever been that theatrical and amazing to watch I don't know and how did you win the last World Cup right exactly I was I was going to bring this up I think there's been a massive parallel to how South Africa were talked about in 2019 2020 21 when we won the Lions series as well about how we kicked too much and it was boring. We were killing the game of rugby, and like people, yeah, like some some people in the English media were saying about how, yeah, we were just in not inspiring a new generation of rugby. And who gives one? Because we managed <laughs> to win the twenty nineteen World Cup and a Lions series. But it, at the end of the day, results is all that matter. So if you're in, I guarantee in the England camp, that's all that they're focusing on, because. Yeah, Uh, yeah. I I think everyone is bonkers. And I think also the other point I wanted to mention is Steve Borthwick came in, what, just after, you know, around the Six Nations, right? He, Mm. what, what is he, what are people expecting him to do with England in a way that, you know, they're playing this massive, uh, um, playing this, you know, fancy game. And, you know, he, all he's done is implement the same strategy that he had at Leicester, which made Leicester win the championship, uh, the premiership, sorry. And I don't see what other expectations there were from everyone else because he had a limited time. He's brought the same staff he had with him at Leicester to do the mm-hmm. same job. So... I don't know why I'm getting so heated defending England. Yeah, <laughs> it's because you're one of us inside. You know it. No. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone hate on them. I don't know. I'm going to stop talking. But to be fair, he is huge into the stats. And I saw a really interesting piece about how to back it like, you know, a few years ago when Ireland beat the All Blacks in America, in Chicago, um, what happens is, the way to beat them was to, if you couldn't get any results within 20 seconds and three rucks, was to kick the yes. ball. Like, that's what the stats were. Yeah. And that is how you won the game. And that's how Ireland won the game. Yeah. That's how 
a lot of games are won. So that's what England are doing at the minute. Like it's not mm-hmm. great for the fans sometimes, but they do that. And in the last 20, they bring on Marcus Smith at fullback and then they start to try other things. And it's working so far. Hopefully it keeps working, but you know, I'll take I'll take the wins all day long. Yeah, and I, I, I forgive me, I can't remember who tweeted this. Um, but pretty wins, sorry, ugly wins are better than pretty losses. It's the World Cup. No one like I've been banging on about South Africa winning the 2019 World Cup since 2019. It's the only thing that people remember between World Cups. So it, it does not matter how the rugby looked. It just matters whose name's on the trophy at the end. Exactly. I was just going to say, but talking of pretty rugby, how good are Fiji? Oh, they're so good. It, I think I'm, what I'm most impressed about their win over Australia is they, they've they handled the pressure of that game tremendously because they'll feel that they were robbed from the Wales game and they feel like they were owed one. And yeah, that they... They were almost, they had to win this game to put themselves in a position to escape the group. And they've now done so. But I feel like that type of pressure that they had could have so easily crumbled them. And they could have mm. most gone away from their game plan and been so desperate to get that win that they didn't rely on themselves enough. And I'm so glad that I didn't see that because that just shows that they have a sense of maturity within the team that. You know, maybe we're we've not we're not used to seeing from a Fijian scene um team, sorry. Yeah, yeah, because we we've spoken about the Drua and how that's affected them and like decision making stuff, but some of their players playing in Europe. So you think of kind of Bottia at La Rochelle, um, you think of Tuasova also playing top fourteen. These boys have been right to the top. They have been in winning environments, so they know what it takes to win. And like the stuff that they can take from that and bring back to the group must be helping. For sure. A- absolutely. And I don't know if you saw, but obviously it was 22-8, I believe, for quite a lot of the game. Like Fiji managed mm. to create us quite a big gap. And then Australia scored late in the second half. And I was like, oh, no, I hope Please they this. But then they kept panning the camera to the Fijian head coach and he looked so nervous trying to watch his boys play. And oh my word, they, I also felt like, you know, you had Joshua Tuasova go off injured, you know, kind of like early in the second half. And Fiji, yeah, oh, so good. And this is the thing, we've said it before and I'll say it again, you need a bit of luck in the World Cup to do well. And the way that the ball bounces perfectly up for Tuasova for that try, it's just written in the stars that they, they managed to be Australia. Yeah, it is true. And like the goal kicker going off as well. Yeah, we cramp. And yeah. Oh, mate, it, it all just came. And do you know what I loved? I absolutely loved the game. The clock's gone red. They've got a penalty. They can kick it out and they wanted to deny Australia the bonus point. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. That was just the like, we're going to absolutely turn it in you. I was gutted they missed it, but it was just, 
just that kind of gamemanship and the like backing themselves like if, even if the stays it we back ourselves to defend it still win. yeah Loved yeah absolutely it. i i was just praying i was just saying you've just got to absolutely leather this ball it has <laughs> to go out if you miss like i just oh i just i had a feeling that it would then go the distance and australia would score but nevertheless but I think this is a really good opening um, segment to talk about Tier 2 rugby. I don't know if it's fair to say Fijians are Tier 2, but what is really a valid point is so many teams are surprising people at this World Cup and just on how they're performing. Yeah, I, I agree. So many teams that I'm going to admit I didn't know much about. I, I hadn't even seen some of these teams play before, uh, yeah. like Chile Prime example. Um, and like the brand of rugby they're bringing out is so good, the scoring tries, the challenging the opposition, and it begs that question: like, why don't we get to see these teams play more often? Because the more they play against top opposition, the the more likely they are to continue to improve. And then the World Cup becomes, you know, comes bigger, more interesting. Oh, man, I just I just want to see just want to see more. Absolutely. I completely agree. And I think a prime example of that, of a team which I wish I saw more of, is Portugal. Because when they went up against Wales, I was stunned. I could not believe... I kind of flicked on thinking, Wales are just going to kind of do a job here. They'll they'll secure the bonus point. They'll kind of run through them. Mm. Oh my goodness, I was so wrong. They were like... I, oh, it's just it's almost kind of like the opposite to almost I don't I don't mean to bash England in this way but I watch <laughs> I watch Portugal play and I'm inspired like I'm I want to watch them more and I think that's what kind of the English fans are kind of wanting but oh, just oh, I'm speechless I'm I just need to gather myself Portugal had a great team performance with individual moments of brilliance and my one of my favorite players now is Sousa Redes the fullback from Portugal yeah that guy looked electric oh my goodness he was incredible oh, it's so good to see but I think this kind of brings me on to a little bit of world rugby bashing because they've, they've kind of spoken about the um the world league and it in effect, it is going to shut some of these tier two out from from being able to have game time against tier one opposition. And yeah, I understand it might be a bit of a spectacle. You know, you get to see the big teams. So your tier ones are kind of like England, New Zealand, South Africa, like Ireland, Wales. You know, all of these kind of Japan yeah. bigger sides. More money. It's pretty much a money thing. How much yeah. money their unions have. Um, and you just don't want to lock out some of these talented up and coming teams. Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully, there's like a bit of a rethink on it because I think this World Cup has shown that there's there's way more talent out there than we we give rugby credit. Yeah, and I think investing only into the big nations it it doesn't do the game any good in the long term. We need to invest in these other nations to then, if if they're worried about money, it's great because they invested in these big nations 20, 30, 40 years ago. 
and now we're reaping the benefits but we're they're, they're almost running dry because now we're limiting uh, you know we've hit the peak of um you know the audiences that we can really achieve from that those nations but then there's this massive untapped potential in these tier twos that just haven't got the same support or framework to allow success i think that's the most frustrating part like i understand from the money side of things you know and like tv rights and viewership i get that but like there's why not post them on instagram why not post it's just these little things that take no extra effort from all you know from rugby pass world rugby it's just these little things that would allow and set these teams up for success in the future Mate, and talking of posting, that is something that's driven me insane this World Cup. Mm-hmm. Like the fact that tweets are getting taken down with clips of rugby in. Yeah. And it I just don't understand. I think if you want to grow the audience, some some countries like here in the UK, we can watch it on free-to-air TV. It's really easy. Mm-hmm. But but say like um some of those like offloads from this weekend or the steps, some some kids in like other countries aren't going to be able to see this on TV and we're yeah. denying them the opportunity to see it at all. Mm-hmm. How's that going to encourage them to pick up a rugby ball if they just don't get to see anything exciting happen? Yeah, you, you make a very good point. And I think that the counter argument to that is, I'm pretty sure, but Rugby Pass, Rugby Pass TV... Um, they have a website now that has all of the games streamed live for free. And I'm pretty sure that would be accessible for everyone. But then again, that's, yeah, it's not, that's kind of niche knowledge because, you know, no other broadcasting service is going to put that out there. So unless you know about Rugby Pass, you're not going to know about that. But I agree. And think about how many of those clips also go viral. And then though it puts a spotlight on that person and then that generates impressions on that account and then they see oh they play for portugal i didn't know they had a rugby team let me go see them and then they see all the brilliant work that they do um down in portugal for the rugby team so i agree i think uh, we're just shooting ourselves in a foot and it's just something you would have thought that you would be able to do at the world cup because this is where you want to reach the the most amount of people because it's the pinnacle of the sport. So why not just try and have as many eyes as possible on, like think about it for the Super Bowl, right? And the NFL, oh, trying to think about like bring the, one of like the biggest sporting events in the world. There's the NFL are not going through every single Twitter account, which is way more than every tweet that's going on about rugby. And mm. they're not DMCAing all these little, oh, it frustrates me. It, it really does. But, yeah. It's funny you bring up American sports, actually, because I was going to say this. So, like, maybe 20 or 30 years ago, baseball was up there, like, properly up there as one of the most viewed sports. Um, and then when kind of social media and YouTube and all that came out, yeah, American football and basketball, like, didn't have strict rules on it. They just kind of, like, allowed it. And baseball did, and you had to watch baseball on TV. And now, the, like, in young people they want to watch basketball and American football and not baseball like because yeah. they just haven't seen the highlights. They don't watch the games. And it's just, yeah, we don't want that to happen to rugby. I, I just don't get it. I just don't get it. You make, you make a very good point. You really do. 
we the thing is we're only in week two, just about to start week three. So maybe they come to their senses. And I think that's giving them a lot of credit. But yeah, enough 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 about that. I think the other thing I wanted to talk about is um South Africa. And not just because I think they're the greatest team ever, but there's something really interesting that happened this week. So for those that don't know, I'm just going to give a little backstory. Malcolm Marks, arguably the best hooker, if not probably top three uh, hooker in the world right now. He tore his ACL during training and that ruled him out of the World Cup. So naturally you think, okay, they're going to bring in a replacement hooker to kind of fill that gap. Well, no, that's not what they've done. And what are you, what are your thoughts on that, Ben? Yeah, so so yeah, they've brought in Andre Pollard, who who is plays fly half, and they've had Manny Leboc playing there um, with kind of Damian Willemsu's cover and Faf Clerk's cover. Yeah. Do you know what? I don't like it. I'm going to be honest. Okay. I think if you had an injury at basically any other position apart from the front row. I'd have probably liked it. Yeah. But I think where your depth behind Bonging now is you've got two people who aren't playing hooker at their club. Yeah. Um, and while that might not matter in some of your group games, if you get into a quarterfinal against France or New Zealand or a semifinal against, you know, one of the other big nations and you have Bongi come off, that's dangerous. Like you're backing some guy thrown into line outs, hooking in your scrums. It's a big set piece battle international rugby. And mm-hmm. I think that's ballsy as well as the kind of psychological effect it might have on Manny Lebock. You know what I mean? He's been, he's had questions in the media. He's been quality, but it's like goal kicking and it's all that kind of tight margin stuff. Um, and if Pollard comes in and he's on the bench, it brings your six-two split or your seven-one split or your eight-zero split, whatever you're kind of doing. <laughs> I, I don't like it, if I'm honest. What, what do you think, Mike? As a South Africa Norse? Yeah, um, I'm glad you you brought up the psychological side, how it affects the bench, and uh, you can sit back and get ready to hear this brilliance of mine come out. So. <laughs> I understand the, you know, not calling up a natural hooker. I get it. Dion Free, I think, is our secret weapon. I really do. Dion Free, for those who don't know, he's like 35 and he got his um, his debut for the Springboks in the same year. He's the oldest ever Springbok to get called up. He started, uh, he was kind of one of those guys uh, if you know the player Skalk Brits, and he used to play for Saracens as well, he was kind of that hybrid player of hooker and flanker. And Dion Free is the same thing. He has experience playing hooker, only at club, never at international level, but for Western Province and the Stormers, he has played hooker. The last time he did play hooker was in 2017, 2018, that season. That's uh, six years ago. Yeah, but it, it doesn't That's matter. six years. It, do, it doesn't matter, right? The thing is, like if you if you think about it, I understand the importance of the hooker, but if you slot Dion Free into a Springbok pack and think about the rest of the seven other players around him, I reckon they'd be able to hold their own. I, like, I don't think they might have the same dominance 
as they would if they had Bongi or Markham Marks, I think they'd be able to hold their own on the set piece. And I think the other thing to think about with Dion Free, he is the most like-for-like player we have for Markham Marks in, in the squad. And what I mean by that, Markham Marks is almost a, an extra flanker on the field. His ability at the breakdown is what puts him in that top three, if not top one conversation in the world. Now, Dion Free over the ball is one of my favorite players of all time. Like he is just he, he's a he is a jackler. He goes on the pitch and he's looking for turnovers. So in terms of that aspect, we might even get better at the breakdown. Um and we're not losing that part of the of our game. Do you want okay. to respond to that or do you want me to carry on? Do you know what? I'm I'm gonna actually make a point, Mike. Okay. Um all right, so he, he doesn't play a lot of hooker. He, he hasn't trained a hooker his whole whole life. It is 79 minutes in a, in the World Cup final, yeah. right? You've got a line out five meters away from their try line. Yeah. Right? It's a big call. He's going to the back. Are you backing him to make that high-pressure situation throw? But why would we go to the back? All right. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. <laughs> are, are, you, are you backing him? Are you backing him to make that throw? Yeah. Yeah, I absolutely am. And I just and Through just because point. just because like either at that point we're still gonna have Etzebeth in, we're gonna have Franco Moster or RG Snaming come on. Now I could throw the ball to RG Snaming because that guy's about eight feet tall, and then you throw him with him in the lineup. I just need to throw it in a general direction. He's grabbing that ball. So yes, I am a hundred percent backing him. And even if not, even if that lineup goes wrong. I back Dion Free to get to the next breakdown and turn the ball over to get us a penalty. So yes, that answers your question. So I think you're under. I think you're underrated. I think the reason Fiji could have lost to um, Australia this weekend was because Australia's lineout was better. Like it was key set piece. They were stealing ball, and I just think it's a risk you didn't need to take. I, I get it. I get it. I also think people think we're in knockouts at the moment. We still have three pool games. Like even you said yourself, statistically, we are we are more likely to get another injury, right? Mm. So there's nothing stopping us from bringing Joseph Tweber in, and I don't see why not. Let's run the risk now and see how we go, because we we've got Dion Free coming up against Ireland, and I think that will be really interesting to see how he goes in the replacement hooker. Let's see how the set piece goes. Let's see what happens when we don't have a you know world class hooker on our bench and if it works then i think everyone else will be really scared yeah, um true true i think the so let's if i if i quickly move on so the psychological effect on money lebok i'm glad you brought that up because i think you're so wrong and i will gladly tell you that <laughs> so there was a brilliant interview by Sia Khaleesi um, the other day after the Scotland game. Um, somebody asked Jacques Ninaba, you know, about Marnie's kicking off the tee. You know, are you worried about it? Um, you know, what do you think is going to happen? And I, I didn't see Jacques' answer, but then Sia, it wasn't the question wasn't directed to him, and he basically came in and said, "Hey, look, we're a team at the end of the day." And we all play together. And if somebody's lacking in one area, then somebody else steps up. And that is a 
mantra and belief that I believe is spread throughout the camp. So Manny knows that, you know, he 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 ultimately doesn't. So oh, I just I'm so right up about this. <laughs> Rassi has made it so clear that there's no room for ego in the Springbok camp, and that was specifically made clear in the Chasing the Sun documentary from 2019. Like if you have an ego, you're not getting picked in the squad, mm. despite how good you are. Manny would want what's best for the team, and. We were, you know, kind of talking about, you know, how Carter Gordon doesn't have that mentor, right? Well, then why would Manny Libok not welcome in Andre Pollard as a mentor that can come in, maybe give him some help off the tee, maybe tell him how does he manage that game better? Like, why would that not only elevate him and why would he not welcome him back into the, the squad? Yeah, I, I agree to a point. I think the thing is, because you're not replacing like for like, because you there is that kind of question mark and like you're, you're backing it, but there is that kind of question mark about Dion free at hooker. Mm-hmm. Like if you're Manny Bock, you're seeing them bring in world cup winner, number 10 Pollard, and you're not bringing him in to not play it. Like he's not playing this weekend, but he's only just arrived. So immediately you're already thinking like, Oh, my game time might go. He might be on the bench and putting him on the bench. We'll get into because that, yeah. That changes the whole makeup of how that looks. And like this guy's done it before, and immediately you know he can kick. Like that's been the question mark over Manny. Oh, I just think I just think there's like those doubts in your mind about like, am I really as safe as people say I am? Like Khaleesi kind of stood up for him in, in that interview. But like last week, Eddie Jones was saying about Carter Gordon, he hooked him off for 50 this week. Like what people say in interviews isn't necessarily what goes on behind closed doors. Are you saying C is lying? Hey, Mike, I'm calling him out. Big fat lie, C. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, say that to his face. <laughs> I, I get it. I get it. Sorry, I cut you off there. You can finish your point. Nah, that was it. Just oh, Perfect timing. <laughs> uh, I, I get it. And I think this is where Rassi and Jacques and the rest of the coaching staff need to manage money really well and talk about how it's a team game and, you know, Andre has been brought in for a purpose. And I still love how money plays. Like, obviously, I don't love him off the tee, but the rest of the game, I think he's fantastic. And I really love the type of attacking rugby he instills in the back line. And I, I really like it. And I hope he shines against Ireland at the weekend. But oh, yeah. you, you did touch on it. What does this mean for the bench? And oh, what does this make for the team? Because you're right, he's not, uh, Pollard's not going to start against Ireland. I wouldn't be, I would, I'd probably expect him to start against Tonga because, you know, why not? And you know he'll get up to game fitness, um, but yeah, it it really does change the dynamic of the bench because South Africa are notorious for having that six-two split, six forwards, two backs, and that normally is reserved for a scrum half and a utility back, and so it really changes things because it either means you back Pollard the entire game or you have Manny Libok on the bench, which therefore means that 
Damien then probably has to start at fullback because Damien is then your utility player that can go to 10, 12, 15. And then if you have like Colby or Arensa on the wing, then they can kind of also go to 10, 15 as well. And then that means you've got Willie LaRue not playing at all. And yeah, it, it's it's a dilemma. It really is. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it unfolds. I mean, you've gone for a 7-1 split this weekend, which means he would just, you know, not be there anyway. Not even be bothered, yeah. <laughs> In fact, can we, can we talk about the 7-1 split? Sure. What a wild strat against the number one <laughs> team in the world. Like, you did it against New Zealand. I, I say by accident. You weren't going to, and you did. Mate, I don't, I don't rate it. I'm going to be honest. I think it's too ballsy on no injury. Like France do the six two, but one of their six is Macalau, who plays on the wing and he's played on yeah. the wing. I don't see any of your forwards playing in the backs. Quagga Smith. To be fair, yeah, sevens, yeah, sevens, yeah, exactly. Where, where do you play him on the wing? Yeah, why not? I don't know. I played, did you see Macalau's pace the other day for that dislap or on? Have you seen Quagga Smith's pace? Yeah, it wouldn't beat McAllen on a race. I'm just I saying. I would love to see that. That would be a good Yeah, that would be good. That would be good. <laughs> <laughs> I, I understand your point and I get it. It is risky, but <clears throat> having secured that uh, points difference against Romania and having kept Scotland to only three points, we kind of have a free shot against Ireland. Like, it doesn't really matter and I actually love this, right? Because they because they're kind of adopting this. I don't know if they're thinking it's a free shot, so it doesn't really matter if we win or lose. If they do, that shows that they don't care if they play France in the in the quarterfinals. They back themselves to do a job there. But we don't we don't really need to go into that. Um, yeah, I it is ballsy, and it's kind of one of those moves that's either going to pay off, and there's going to be like Rassi another stroke of genius or is going to come back to bite us and then they're going to look a little bit silly. But again, we have, like I said, you have Damien. I think the only issue is if we have an injury at 13. If Jesse Creel goes down, that is the only time I'm going to get worried because Faf could play a whole game at nine. So if we have a winger go down injured, you could put Kobus Reinach on the wing. Mm -hmm. And then <clears throat> if Manny goes down injured at 10, Damien can slot in there. Kurt Lee has played at fullback. So is Colby. All good. If we have an injury at 12, same thing. Damien can go there. We can slot one of our wingers back. So I think it just our versatility of, versatility of players just allows us to go a little bit crazy. But yeah, we just have to wait and see and sit on it. Yeah. And do you know what? Talking of 13 being that danger spot of, you know, Creel getting injured. I'm surprised you're not playing Moody on the wing because that's an easy fix to that. Moody slots in 13, you put Reinach on the wing. Yeah, it's, it's a good point, but he didn't look that good against Romania. He really didn't. Nah. No, true, but uh, I guess we'll find out. We will. As I mentioned earlier, there was, we had, a, that's enough rugby talk, uh, as we've got <laughs> all day, but there were so many other great sporting events that happened over the weekend. And I think, I, I kind of want to ease us into this one because there's going to be a future F1 segment, hopefully, fingers crossed, uh, depending on our special guest availability. 
Um, yeah, so if you were listening a couple of weeks ago, we had a live correspondent who will be coming on to do our best F1 car noise. Um, <laughs> been pretty unavailable recently, but we will get her on and you will hear the magic. Absolutely. Um, but I think it would be really good to talk about the Singapore Grand Prix in a little bit more detail. Um, ben kind of mentioned, you know, this is the first time that Max Verstappen wasn't on top of the podium, which depending on who you support, was a really good sight to see. Um, it ended, you know, their 10, Red Bull's 10, actually, sorry, no. Yeah, Red Bull, I think, have won, I think, almost all of the races this year. But it ended Max Verstappen's, yeah, this ended Max Verstappen's 10th, uh, 10 race winning streak, which is just an incredible feat on its own. Um, but it was just, it was a really peculiar race and it, it ended in heartbreak for George Russell so it, I mean to crash on the last lap when you're in P3 when you're about to get on the podium uh, that's a tough way to tough way to lose yeah it is brutal and obviously you don't know what happened mechanical but like if that was just like a lapse in concentration last lap He's mm. never doing that again. Yeah. Never doing that again. Oh, that is brute because he slammed that wall. He really he really did. And it it was also it's really interesting to think because what I okay, the what I really enjoyed about that race is on the final lap, you had four people, the four cars that were any one of those guys could have won that race. I mean, realistically, Hamilton might have been a bit too far out. But they were neck and neck. They were literally like, you know, one behind the other. Whereas you think about the previous races where it's just Max that's like, you know, 20, 30 seconds ahead of the rest of the field. It's just like, it's not entertaining. It's not, it doesn't give you that sense of, oh my gosh, who's going to win? What's this, you know, end of race drama? It was really good to kind of see a really close ending. Also, you know, P1 and 2 couldn't have gone to two better blokes. Like yeah. when you see Carlos Sainz and Lando Norris being interviewed, just good vibes and they're bros. <laughs> oh, what a good time. Uh yeah, I can't I, I can't I can't disagree with you there. Um it is really good. It is really good to to see some uh to see those guys win. And I also thought it was really interesting if we talk about the flip side now, like where did Red Bull go so wrong? Because there was um there was a time about halfway through the race where everybody pit stopped. Everybody came in and switched onto the hard tires. And for some reason, Red Bull decided to keep Matt Verstappen out. And he didn't even then get ahead of the rest of the field and have like a clear exit to then gain uh you know position, you know, on the grid so that everyone coming out from the pit stop was gonna be behind him. And it just then meant when he can then had to pit stop. Well, even before then, he was just getting overtaken left, right, and center. And he just had no traction and didn't have the ability to keep up with everybody on the fresher tires. And then when he did the eventually pit stop, he then came all the way down to 15th, which is just crazy. Yeah. And they looked off pace all weekend. Like you look in qualifying, they didn't even make it into Q3 or the final. Exactly. You know, the final block of qualifying to decide those top 10 positions. So yeah, like from the domination that 
we've seen from them, it was just really surprising. And yeah, you wonder if it's kind of car setup or or the track or or if the other teams just caught up. I, I don't know. I'm not a big enough fan to say, to be honest. This is why we need our live correspondent. You know, someone that's just yeah. in the know. I I don't know. I don't think it's there's only so much teams can do in terms of you know the car and the tweaks that they make to the car mid season. I know that. So you know, it really comes down to more mm-hmm. race strategy. So maybe just it was just an off day for Red Bull, maybe. But you just kind of thought after the dominance that they displayed for the rest of the season so far you'd think that it's you know this would kind of be a no-brainer for them it's just uh another another win um but mm. anyway it was good it was good to see it was good to see yeah, you know it'd be wild to finish off the season if like now red bull are like coming like eighth ninth tenth for the rest of the season yeah and, and max just has to keep picking up like one or two points to try and like trickle his way to the title at the end yes that, oh, that, that, that would be, be so incredible. good if Red Bull don't win another race until the end until the end of the season, that would be incredible. Yeah, I mean it's never going to happen. But imagine last race of the season, Max just needs to come tenth to, to, to win the title, <laughs> and he's just crawling around. Oh, it'd be so good. Oh man, uh, it would never happen to Lewis Hamilton. Um, what 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 else did you manage to set your eyes upon, Ben? Um, I mean, I'm gonna say up the watts. Up the wars. Uh, up the wars. So in the NRL, it was the kind of um yeah, the semi-finals before the prelim final, before the <clears> final, <throat> which as Mike explained the other week, and I Googled profusely to talk about it. <laughs> um pretty wild process. But um the Wars are the New Zealand Warriors who yeah. who are the only NRL team not based in Australia. Mm-hmm. Um and I just like New Zealand, so I'm backing them. They won this weekend, so they're into the prelim finals, and hopefully they can they can do a job and make that grand final. Yeah, it was unbelievable. So, up the was became famous. It's just such a cool little saying, saying up the was. It's unbelievable. But Sean Johnson, who is one of the all-time greats in rugby league, and if you want to see a sidestep that is just unreal, then just Google his highlights. Um, but he said up the was in a in an interview and it went viral. That he admits that he didn't actually come up with up the was, um, but he said it and it went viral. So um yeah, everyone kind of in that region just loves saying it now. So yeah, now we've got the four final uh four teams left. So we have the the Wars going up against the Broncos and the Penrith Panthers going up against the Melbourne Storm. So this is like the semi-final now, effectively with the grand final happening uh, and maybe next week or the week after. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's getting crunch time for for those players. So um, it kind of slips into what to watch this weekend because those, those are some epic games to be casting your eyes on. Yeah, and great morning time, as we've kind of mentioned before. It's kind of mid-morning, like 10-ish p.m. Um, in the UK. So yeah. it's pretty accessible. And, you know, if it's raining, why not? It, exactly and like i said it's just so I'll, I'll tell you right now so friday at 10 50 a.m is penrith against the storm and then saturday again 10 50 a.m brisbane Broncos against the warriors so i mean perfect timing exactly 
Exactly. And just and, some, you know, finishes before the World Cup. What a dream. Exactly. And it's also just to kind of add a little bit more context to some great storylines because the Broncos have been not so great in the past years, but they're one of those clubs that has just a huge tradition and a huge history in the game. And they've this is their best finish in a long time. So whether they can get to a grand final is, you know, really exciting. And their fullback is called Reese Walsh. And he was a New Zealand warrior before going to the Broncos. So there's a bit of grudge going on in there. Um, and on the other side, you've got the Penrith Panthers and the Melbourne Storm. Now, these have been the two best teams probably in the last like four or five years. And mm. there's just a newborn rivalry out of the two of them. And the Penrith Panthers have had the, the number over the Melbourne Storm, but you can never write off the storm having been coached by Craig Bellamy, who's one of the all-time greats. So the Penrith Panthers are looking to go for their three-peat. They've won the, the NRL for the past two years. So, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a good day for rugby league. It is. And for all the neutrals or anyone that's not seen it, remember, up the was. Up the was. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the the other the other sport I kind of wanted to delve into again was um, was college football, and I mentioned this earlier about Prime Deion Sanders and the the eyes he's kind of brought onto the game. So I really enjoyed the marketing he's done, and I've also enjoyed that he's he's walking the walk as well as talking the talk. Because I thought he was just kind of going to be a big name kind of came into a, a big program after leaving Jackson State. And he's now actually made Colorado boom, essentially. You know, mm-hmm. I saw, so um, forgive me if you've seen this, but Colorado State's head coach talked about how Dion came in wearing sunglasses and a hat when they were talking to each other or something. Oh. And he was chirping, saying, you know, my mother told me you got to take them off when you when you greet someone. And then Dion bought the entire Colorado team a pair of sunglasses just to wear to the game, just as a big, you know, like have that up to the Colorado State team. Mate, do you know they've sold like 75,000 pairs of those? He's made yeah. like 6 million. It was Mate, unbelievable. unreal. Oh, it's unbelievable. But this is what I'm talking about. This is the impact that he's having on the college game. It's incredible. Mm. It is pretty cool. And he's absolutely plugging his sons who are both playing there. One is a starting quarterback who yeah. he had a bit of a wild time. Like nearly got objected, I'm pretty sure, in the first half and then balled out in the end. So Yeah, and it was a, it was a an overtime win, actually. They came back in overtime. Obviously, those type of games where it's Colorado v. Colorado State, you know, you kind of think about how you have like the North London Derby in football or, you know, the Manchester Derby, those type of events, that's kind of what this game was for them. And yeah, it was, it was incredible to kind of think. All right. So before we finish, we always tell you what to watch, what's coming up this weekend. Mm -hmm. And World Cup wise, it's pretty spicy this weekend. I think, Saturday night is the big one. I think South Africa Island, we've spoken a little bit about it before. Um, number one and two in the world against each other. Mm-hmm. And 
both teams are playing to get that top of the group spot yep. and you know solidify that their space and or their place in the tournament. So it's going to be really good to watch. I'm back in Ireland for this and not just to wind up Mike, but probably not. <laughs> um, they've been number one in the world for a while. They're not, you know, playing a stupid seven, one bench and they're just the team cohesion is unrivaled. I, I think, I think it's going to be close, but I think it's going to be great. Yeah. And I am adopting the mentality that this isn't going to be South Africa's World Cup final. So I think I'm not putting too much on this game. And because, like I said, I back us rather, you know, whether we play France or New Zealand in the in the semi-final, in the quarterfinal, sorry. So as long as we get close and maybe get a losing bonus point, or at least, I mean, I would rather win, let's put it that way. And I think we will win. Um, <clears throat> but as long as we kind of keep it close or blow them out of the way, I just want to just get through the groups. That's all that matters. That's the only task that needs to be fulfilled here. Um, so I'm just excited to watch the Springboks play again. I really am. I just have I, I just get so much joy from watching them play. And it's also yeah, I mean, the, we love these box office games about you know mm. we we all love France v New Zealand, and yeah. you know we this is again and there was so much around South Africa Scotland and again. Like this is one and two in the world, like in a group stage, it's unbelievable. So yeah, it should be a really good one to to watch. And then yeah, and for all our viewers, I also or listeners, sorry, I oh, also yeah. heard the confidence draining from Mike's voice as he said that. I can feel <laughs> it draining. Come on, Ireland. <laughs> Absolutely not. No, no, no. It's okay. Uh, I'm keeping it humble. I'm low. Um, it's a long tournament, so you know when the Springboks win, it's I'm saving my energy. Uh, but also I think another great game is going to be Wales Australia. We alluded to this and its importance earlier on. This is Australia's last chance again. We said last week Fiji that was their last chance to get out of the group again. The same storyline now. Wales didn't look amazing against Portugal. They're going to have to pull it together. And Australia really need to win to to have any hope of escaping the group. Yeah, yeah. And I kind of want them to do it. I just think it'll be wild, like having all the bonus points to decide who wins. Yeah. I want an Australia no bonus point win for either team. Um, And then hopefully Fiji top the group. Oh, imagine, oh. imagine the scenes. Uh, and again, that would we we said in our World Cup mini series that we want an England Australia quarter final. Like that has to happen just for the storylines. So we need Fiji to top the group because England are most likely going to win theirs. So mm. fingers crossed that that happens. Yeah, and I think you know could be our surprise game of the week is. I'm thinking it could be Friday night. Um, Argentina versus Samoa. It's on a bit earlier than than the normal Friday night games, just in mm-hmm. case anyone gets surprised by that. But both teams have a shot of getting out of the group. Argentina have disappointed. Samoa are going to be feeling good after their win and and watching Argentina's loss. They're going to be up for it. Yeah. Um, I think it could be tight. I would like to see Samoa win. I'm going to say it. Um, I just like some of their players, like Theo McFarland um, and 
yeah, Lima Soft wearing it, but who who someone stole his tape, but they gave it back. Oh, outrageous. oh did they? Yeah, yeah. I saw, or at least I saw a picture of someone with their bag, and it was in the bag. And I'm pretty sure if you're ballsy enough to do that, you got to give it back. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I think you're right. I think this is a. Uh, I really want Argentina to bounce back. Actually, I'm going to say Argentina in that one. I just, I was really looking forward to how they were going to play against England and they just didn't perform. And now they've had a week off. They didn't play last week. They will have had a lot of time to think about it. They would have sat in the naughty corner and realised their mistakes. And Michael Checo will have been absolutely bollocking them. So I hope they come out and absolutely fire against Summer as much as I like Summer. Yeah. And kind of still on rugby but away from the world cup england england women are playing this weekend and Mm -hmm. the women's game is a bit different to the men's game and i think it's actually really good watch like it's rapidly growing so i was at twickenham for the women's six nations this year and Mm -hmm. like they packed it out it was a great atmosphere um because because like physiologically the differences between kind of men and women the, the tactics are different. So there's a lot more running rugby. Um, there's less of the kind of kick kick tennis you might see in the men's game. It's great to watch. So yeah, if you kind of not fancy in the men's, give the women's a go because you won't be disappointed. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, it's, it's obviously a little bit, in terms of scheduling, you've got the men's that's kind of dominating the coverage on social mm. media and on TV. But yeah, definitely give the the women's um a support as well, and I mean we didn't even manage to talk about the Davis Cup for in the tennis in general sport, and there were so many great things about that. So we obviously don't have time for it tonight, but definitely set your eyes on it because Great Britain managed to do some incredible things and um are facing Serbia in the quarterfinals. And uh, the last thing I kind of want to mention, Ben mentioned that the Ryder Cup. Um, you know, it's happening in two weeks' time, but we have the Solheim Cup happening at the end of this week, uh, which is Team Europe versus Team USA for the women's side of things, which again is just going to be fantastic. These types of competitions, you know, they're so used to competing against each other, and now it's a, a team effort. And yeah, it's going to be held down in Spain and it's just looking, you know, going against that, you know, arguably some of the best, um, some of the best women golfers going head to head. So it should be a really, really great watch. And I think that kicks off on Friday. Yeah. And I do think stuff like this is a bit fun. Like I'm not, not the biggest golf fan. Like I wouldn't normally watch it, but the Ryder Cup and I'll, I'll give the Solheim Cup a go as well. I've not seen it before. Like it's just a bit of fun. Like there's different stuff going on. Yeah. Um, everyone just seems a bit more like chilled out and, and good vibes. Exactly. And you can easily get behind if you're from a place in Europe or from America, and it's easier to get behind some of these players. Whereas, you know, in golf, you must have to kind of root for a person or a couple of people like your favorites. Whereas now it's just made way more accessible for everybody to just go for where you're from. Yeah, and if you're not from Europe or America, big up Team Europe. Come on. <laughs> Get behind us. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's there's so much else that's going to be going on this weekend and we may just touch the surface of it. 
Um, but it's going to be a great week for for some sport, and we we hope you enjoy. Yeah, definitely. And one last thing before we head off, like we kind of mentioned, we don't have all the time in the world in these. So if there is a sport that you want to hear about and you're listening, um, yeah, drop us a DM and, and if we watch it, we'll chat about it. And if we don't, we'll watch it. So yeah, let us know if there's something you want to hear about. Yeah, I think that's, uh, I think that's very well said. Um, but in the meantime, thanks everybody for listening. Have a great week. Yeah, see you guys.